The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. More than 40% of people in their 40s and 50s have both an aging parent and a child under the age of 21. Caring for people in multiple generations demands time, love, attention, and more. Welcome to Caught Between Generations with your host, Dr. Merrill Griff. Our program will bring you the information you need as a family caregiver for everyone for whom you care, with guest experts and resources to help you keep sane and organized. Now, here is Dr. Merrill Griff. Hi, it is Dr. Merrill, and welcome to Caught Between Generations. I'm so happy you decided to join me today. As I always tell you, as a caregiver, your time is so precious, so it really means a lot to me that you've taken the time to listen to the show today. So today we have something just really special. I am so excited. I am joined today by four unbelievable, very exceptional, just very special women, and they all have different backgrounds, and they all have different experiences experiences and they all have different training, but they share one thing and that is a very, very strong commitment and dedication to serving seniors. They all are involved with me in having their own Syracuse centers, but we're going to talk about aging today from actually four very, very different perspectives. And one thing that we always do at Seracare that's very, very important to us is we have a more holistic approach. So not only is the senior that we're taking care of very important to you, to us, but you as a caregiver are just as important to us. We want to make sure that you're well taken care of and that you have as least stress as possible in your life. So thank you for joining us today. My first guest is Beverly D. Sabato. I've known Bev a very long time. I've been an admirer of her for a very long time. Bev is actually a certified art therapist. She has a master's degree in art therapy. And Bev and I have actually run some um, intergenerational therapy groups together with seniors from one of our Syracuse centers and adolescents actually in a locked adolescent ward. Um, that was a great experience. But Bev is a very, very creative soul, an artist in her own right. So welcome to Caught Between Generations, Bev. Well, thanks, Merle. I'm happy to be here. So, Bev, what really is the difference between art and art therapy? Well, before we begin, could I just clarify two things? Sure. The the first thing is, um, when I speak of art, I'm going to be speaking of the visual arts as opposed to other forms of creative expression like poetry or music or dance, which are all very appropriate when working with older adults. But we're going to be speaking about the visual arts. And then the second thing is to differentiate between the two basic approaches to art therapy. There's art therapy, there's art as therapy, and then there's art in therapy. So we look at the art in therapy as um, more or less um, a a one-to-one type appointment with the therapist, 
And it really combines making art and and, uh, being creative with clinical psychology, and it usually is to address a specific problem. And a lot of times after those sessions are through with the therapist, the client or the patient may be referred to art as therapy. And that is typically what we focus on in our centers, is art as therapy. Art in therapy, art as therapy, both look at the process of um, making the art, not necessarily the end result, which is the product, which is really the focus of, for example, you or I doing a painting. Um, So we look at really the doing of the art. You may never get to an end product when we're doing art as therapy. You may just get to the process, and that's what's important. So Bev is so nice to be talking about her and I doing a painting together when Bev knows darn well that I can't even draw a straight line. So that was so nice of you, Bev. Thank you so much. You have, I have more faith in you than you do in yourself. So. <laughs> oh, I know what I'm drawing. So anyway, so often we, we think about, we only think about children and, mm-hmm. and art. Now, it, we've seen a little bit of a change um, because suddenly there are all these coloring books out um, mm-hmm. everywhere you turn around um, for adults. But talk to us about how art really can bring out the creative spirit in the senior. I, 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 I just want to say the other prejudice, I think, is I think that what people think that when people get older, they don't have any creative spirit. They've either lost it or they'll never get it. So, Wait, so right. You're so right. And um, I always like to think that every one of us, simply by being created, are creative in our spirits. I mean, uh, the people that we work with, uh, they've cooked all their lives or they've sewed all their lives or they've um, farmed all their lives, making gardens and, and vegetable plots. I mean, these are all creative things. When you style your hair, you're being creative. When you sew, you're being creative. So, I mean, the potential is there. And there's a lot of research now that indicates that even if the mind um, is failing in some way, that the, the uh, potential uh, to paint or to draw never deteriorates, that it's always there. So it's a matter of, of us um, working with our older adults to peel away that, that onion, so to speak, and find that creative spirit again. And you do that simply by doing, just by being there and doing, you know, with the clients. Bev, have you had the experience of someone who was in one of your Syracuse centers and they didn't think they were very creative mm. and you kind of push them or urge them, I shouldn't say push, but urge them into doing something and suddenly they found that they were much more creative than they thought they were? Absolutely. I mean, to have a person say to you, no, uh, you don't want to give up on that person. You, you want to start somewhere where they're comfortable in a comfort zone for them. And one of the, the most successful things with that type of person is simply tearing paper. You know, tear that paper. It's non-threatening. Give a, give a glue stick or use a glue stick and have them just paste it down. And you'll be surprised at what you come up with. They'll be saying, oh, this looks like A or wow, I never thought I could do this type thing. And then you move on forward, you know, from there to maybe pencils and markers and finally then to paint. That's really interesting. I never thought about that of tearing paper, but it seems to me that might be a good activity for someone with dementia. Is is that so? Absolutely. I mean, um, we have to be careful that we make sure that the, the work that we're doing with our clients is age-appropriate. And tearing paper, people might think, oh, my gosh, that's, 
you know, that's too juvenile. But truly, there are some beautiful works of art made out of torn paper. Um, and if you look at Matisse in his final days, he was using torn paper to create beautiful works of art. So as long as we maintain a um, dignity of the person and, and using appropriate materials, we're in good shape. So let's talk about brain health because that is a big, big issue that everyone is concerned about. So how does art therapy promote brain health? Well, art therapy is really appropriate for anyone across the board, um, any of our clients. I mean, we have various diagnoses in our centers, of course. But if we just break it simply down to those who have a uh, dementia or an Alzheimer's dementia versus those who don't have any kind of cognitive impairment. And, and for, the, for across the board, art therapy is shown to reduce agitation, to offer a fun activity, you know, where we can laugh and have fun. It can reduce stress. It can alleviate depression sy- symptoms and boost mood. And it can increase social connectedness. But with people uh, who are diagnosed with dementia, not only does it do all of the above that we just talked about, but it also becomes another form of communication um, for that person, especially for those people who are nonverbal and have a difficult time expressing themselves. It also provides an opportunity for that person who may have tremendous losses in their life to control some of their environment, even if it's that small eight by 11 piece of paper. It's their paper and they get to control that. And there's also um, some research that indicates that new neural pathways are developed, uh, even if we're just looking at art. So take those clients, take your family members, go to the museum and let them just look at art because the process of looking at art and making art forces the brain, both sides of the brain to work together which often is not, you know, doesn't happen in uh, normal activity. You know, I hadn't um, thought about this till you said that, but I'll pass this on to our listeners. And that is um, places like MoMA, the Modern uh, Museum yep. of Modern Art in New York, and the Cleveland Museum of Art are the ones that I'm most familiar with. But right. they actually have specific programs um, that they offer on a regular basis for um, people with dementia um, to give them special tours of the art museum. So right. it's something you may want to take a look at. Yes, and it's, it's really something to remember that it, you don't really have to even do, even if you have art books at home. Flip through those books with your family member. You'd be surprised at what you learn. Oh, that's a really good idea. So, like, you could go to the used book sale at your library and just buy great coffee table books that are, might be very, very inexpensive, actually. Absolutely. Absolutely. They can be left out. Um, that can be self-initiating for that particular person sometimes, open that book themselves. So, Bev, give us just one or two of your favorite activities that you love to do. Well, besides the ones that you and I have done, of course, uh, there are you, you can at least some, the ones we can discuss in public online, babe. Yes, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but um, if you you know if you want to get a, a large group involved, maybe you don't have the staff or you don't have um, the room to do a separate grouping of maybe two or three, and you want to get the whole center involved. You can involve your uh, lower cognitively functioning clients 
by having them do the torn paper. Let's say you're going to do a, uh, a farm scene. You have that particular group of people tear the paper to create the sky. You have maybe a more moderately impaired group of uh, clients do the grass or the trees, something a little bit more concrete. And then you have those people who are higher functioning create the middle piece of that farm with the barn and the animals and the cows. So you're using your whole center to create a beautiful piece of art that they'll be very proud of and you hang up, of course. Go ahead. But then we only have a minute. But if I was if I was taking care of my spouse or my parent mm-hmm. had dementia, so that's something I could sit at the kitchen table really and do with them on a Ab- large piece of paper. Absolutely. I mean, always I would I would suggest uh, for a caregiver at home have an art bar, an art box. Have the family member decorate that art box with stickers or whatever. Keep some non toxic things in there for you to use encourage that particular person to pick up that art box and bring it to the table with you. And it, it, it's a bonding uh, activity for, for the two of you. Do you have any last thoughts about um, activities that, are, that would, are great to use, especially as a caregiver? As a caregiver, there are, there are oh, there's, there's many, many, many. But there are, for example, you can do a theme. Let's say that the mom has a birthday coming up or the daughter has a birthday coming up, and you say to mom, let's make me a birthday card. And maybe you've already cut out various pictures of flowers, and you have mom select them, and, her, and she can put them in where she wants on the paper to make the card, and then you, have, you could very easily, in pencil, outline, happy birthday, Mary, and mom can outline that with her marker. It's a very simple process, but it really is art as therapy. Uh, we've been talking to Beverly D. Sabato, who is the owner of Sarah Care of Forest Hills in Pittsburgh. Um, Bev, give us your contact information. Absolutely. It's Beverly D. Sabato. My address is Sarah, Adult Day Services, 2030 Ardmore Boulevard, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, 412-271-3600. Call me anytime. Okay, great. And you can always go to the website, which is www.sarahcare.com. Find a location and you will find Bev Center. Bev, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Merle. Thank you. When we return, we're going to be talking to Lorna Hoops, who is from Idaho. And we're going to be talking about a benefit that many of you are not aware of um, that will actually pay for adult day health services. So you're going to want to listen to this. Stay with us. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. At Sarah Care, we provide daytime activities and health-related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain in 
involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H care.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Court Between Generations. I am Dr. Merle, and we were talking to Bev D. Sabato, who is the owner of Sarah Care of Forest Hills in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, about art as therapy, and she gave us some great suggestions and ideas for things that we can do at home, um, even if you're like me and you really can't even draw a straight line. Now we're going to welcome Lorna Hoops, who is the owner of Sarah Care of Boise, Idaho, and we're going to talk about a benefit that many of you are not aware of, and that is benefits for veterans. Welcome to the show, Lorna. Thank you, Meryl. Good to be here. Oh, I'm glad you're here. So tell us about the benefit that uh, a veteran can get uh, for adult day health. Well, what we found is there are a lot of veterans that don't even realize that what their benefits are. Um, one of the benefits that they have is for adult day health care. Um, most of them we've seen in situations where there have been some pretty impossible home situations where the caregiver is worn out. And when they finally realize that they have this benefit of adult day health care, it's really been a lifesaver for a lot of them. So what what kind of benefit is it? What will the Veterans Association, what will they pay for, the Veterans Administration? Well, what we found is they do cover most health conditions. Um, as long as they are an appropriate placement for our TheraCare centers, which that's usually based on the, the ratio of our staff to, to patient, we found that they, they cover most medical conditions. And what they will do is they will cover a specific amount of days, um, and those days can be extended based on need. But in our situation, we uh, pick the veterans up at their home in the morning, and we bring them to the center. And at the center, they have breakfast and lunch and a light snack. And then also during the day, they have the the benefit of having a nurse on staff. They get all of their medications through their doctor at the VA, but then they, the doctor and the nurse uh, coordinate through a, a care plan. And so if they need medications during the day, then they can be administered our center under the supervision of the nurse. Um, we have activities. We have field trips, outings. A lot of our vets, uh, most of them, have some form of dementia. Um, we 
we're trained in dealing with that, and we have one vet that's been with us since the beginning of our our center, which has been nine years ago, and so he's been with us the whole time. Wow. Yeah. So give us an idea of if a veteran would come to your center, give us kind of an idea of a typical day. You know, what what would they do there? Well, when they get there, we usually have the breakfast, and then we have um, our coffee talk where they go over, they have the daily news, and they'll all sit around and they'll talk about news events, and then they'll share different things that are going on in their lives. We have different activities set up. When I was in the center the other day, I ended up playing Scrabble, and I was the loser. (laughs) (laughs) Um, they have all different types of activities. We have, um, you know, they play computer games, some of the higher functioning, uh, cognitively functioning. We play noodle ball. They like to play. We have a Wii. They do a lot of sports on the Wii. Um, just So, Lorna, what do you think is the advantage of your adult day center over, let's say, home health? And 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 let me just preface this by saying, you know, we have close relationships with our home health agencies. Um, and so this is not an either or. You know, very often we work closely with a home health agency um, in partnership with them. But what do you think are the advantages of a center like like yours, a Sarah Care Center, uh, over home health for the veteran? Well, one of the, the main things is that they get the socialization of being around others that they will not get to speak, having home health come to them. Um, and that is probably one of the, the biggest drawing factors for a lot of our participants. Some of them, you know, might not medically need to be, um, I don't know, in... They have other needs besides medical needs. Some of them strictly have social needs. They're lonely and they want to be around other people, but they don't know how to do it. And so this gives them a a perfect opportunity to be in a a safe and structured environment where they can socialize. And we found that it reduces a lot of their medical needs if they are socialized and if they're also observed by our staff and our nurse, we've been able to catch a lot of um, medical conditions or we might say, you know, she's not acting quite right to the family. You might want to have the doctor take a look at her. This is what we've observed her doing. In a lot of cases, we've prevented hospitalizations by just by um, our staff and nurse being observant to the, the activity that they have day to day. Great. So how would a veteran qualify for this benefit? Well, obviously, they had to have been in the military. Um, A lot of them don't know that they need their DD-214, which is their discharge from active duty. It's a certificate that they receive upon discharge. They need to uh, register with the VA. They need to have to be seen by the VA to find out what they are, everything that they're eligible for. And so that's probably the first step. If they, a lot of them have never been to the VA, um, maybe they, for whatever reason, they've had their own medical insurance throughout their life. They've never, they're a veteran, but they never um, realized what benefits they have. So they need to go to the VA. They need to um, 
register and, and meet with the social worker. Do they have to give up their own physician or can they keep their own physician? You know, in a lot of cases, I think that they are able to keep their own. And I think yeah. that... Pardon me? I'm sorry. Yeah, so, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And uh, But, you know, that... It, what we've also found is that the VA, um, while it's a, a federal program, it's divided into uh, regions, which they call visions. And all, each vision operates just a little bit differently. So for me in Idaho to say, you know, one thing, it might not be exactly the same. While the program is basically mm-hmm. the same, there are some difference based on location. Right. It, it's been our experience across the country in our Syracuse centers in many states that um, veterans have to see the VA physician once a year. They have to see them initially, and then they have to see them once a year. But all their other care, if they want, can continue uh, with their own physicians. Yeah. Um, in in the end, it's it's their choice what they want what they want to do. So I'm a caregiver. I'm taking care of someone. I'm like really stressed. I'm exhausted, and suddenly I realize, oh my gosh, there. Oh my gosh, my husband, my father. Even my mother, in some cases, is a veteran, all right? Oh, my gosh, this is a benefit I had no idea um, that they would pay for. So what's my next step? Where where do I go for more information? Well, if you have a Seracare in your area, first you could call Seracare. Where we deal with the VA on, you know, a daily basis, we're acquainted with their staff, with the social workers. We can give you the numbers to call. You know, it's really overwhelming to think of calling uh, huge government agency like that because I'm sure most people think, well, I'll, <coughs> excuse me, I won't know, I don't know who to call, I don't know who to ask for, and so it would seem overwhelming to an already overwhelmed person. And so where we have, um, we con- where we talk with the VA and we're familiar with them, we have a really great working relationship, we can tell you, here's this number this is who you need to ask for. They can help you tell them that you've talked to Sarah Care and they said to call. If you don't have a Sarah Care in your community, um, what you need to do when you call the VA is ask to speak with someone in home-based and community care and then ask them for that you need additional, tell them you need additional information on adult day health care. Okay, that's great. Any other last thoughts, Lorna, about, um, do, you, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about aid and attendance? You want me to do that for a minute? Yes. I just I just want to do this. There is something called aid and attendance, which yes. pays families of veterans a set amount um, every month, but it has to be used for medical expenses. Adult day health is it can be used to pay for adult day health. The only thing that's very important to me that I, I really want to make sure that our listeners understand is that sometimes um, attorneys will tell you um, that they will do the application for you and push it through for you. And I've had dealt with families who have spent up to five, $6,000 on this. Actually, if if, a, if an attorney is involved, fortunately, unfortunately, whatever, this is the reality, the VA will put your application at the bottom of the pile. They don't like attorneys involved in the process, and whether we agree or disagree, it doesn't matter. The reality is they will put your application at the bottom of your pile. So in every area, there is something called a Veterans Services Commission. A Veterans Services Commission, it is free of charge, and they will help you 
put your application in and make sure that you get the benefits um, that that you really deserve. So I just want to pass that on to thank you. Thank Lorna? You bringing that up. Yes. It's been great having you. So give us your contact information. Okay. Um, we are at 1655 South Benell Street in Boise, Idaho, and our number is 208-375-2273. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Lorna. Okay, it's thanks. Lorna Hoops, bye-bye from Sarah Care, uh, Boise, Idaho. Coming up next will be Lena O'Malley. She is from Sarah Care of Kingwood and also of the Woodlands in Texas. Um, and Lena is going to talk to us about Filipino families and the culture in Filipino families and how they view caregiving and how that perhaps has changed in the United States um, and how they are able to or not willing to, we'll discuss that with her, uh, able to take advantage of an access services. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Where's your dad? What's he doing? You'd know if he was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. You'd know he's enjoying a full day of cooking, computers, yoga, golfing, and he's home by dinner. You'd know Sarah Care LPN and RN Nursing Care is with him to ensure he gets the right medications at the right dosages. You'd know. How's your dad? He's just fine. At Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Call 330-451-6108 for one free day of care at Sarah Care. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN. The Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. We've been talking to such fabulous women today. Uh, we were talking to Bev D. Sabato, who uh, has the Sarah Care of Forest Hills in Pittsburgh, about art and the creative spirit in seniors. And then we're talking to Lorna Hoops from Sarah Care of Boise, Idaho, about the benefits that veterans can tap into that many families don't realize that they can. I'm here now with Lena Umali, who, act- who is an actuary actually. Boy, that sounds like a double, it sounds like I couldn't say that three <laughs> times in a row, right? Um, and has the Sarah Care of Kingwood and the Sarah Care of the Woodlands in Texas. Welcome to the show, Lita. Thank you, Meryl. So we're going to talk, we're, we're going to talk with you today about um, Filipinos, um, and the Filipino culture. So what type of challenges do Filipinos face as they age? Actually, the biggest challenge is that 
the heavier weight of the responsibility of caring for the elderly is on the shoulders of the Filipino-American families, which could include the grandchildren and children and not the government. Since many of the Filipino-American seniors who are currently in the United States are migrants who came to the United States at a later age, very few people have pension benefits, so they will have to rely on their savings for financial support in their old age. How does caring in a caregiving in a Filipino family, do you think it's the same or different than in other cultures? Well, in a, in a what all, way, Lena? Yeah. First of all, the Filipino seniors have very strong preference for family to assist them with home care and even personal care. They're often ashamed to seek help in, in fear of the social stigma of losing their independence and the social stigma for their children who can be labeled as people who cannot look after their senior parents. There's also the extended family role to care and support the elderly with respect, and that's very much embedded in our culture. It is not unusual for three generations of Filipino families to live together in the same home. as it's, It could be deemed as shameful to set parents apart from their children and grandchildren. So there's no such thing as uh, emptiness in a Filipino household. And the Filipinos, uh, Filipino seniors expect to spend the remaining days of their lives with their children and grandchildren looking after them. The reason I asked you if that's changed is, for example, we know, for example, in Japanese families um, that, you know, there's been a strong emphasis on respect and caring for their elderly. But yet now one of the fastest growing industries in Japan is uh, the development of nursing homes um, and assisted livings. Um, so we, we certainly see a change in that. Do you see the same type of change with Filipino families? Yes, certainly. Uh, as most of the children and grandchildren are now born, of the people who are currently in the United States were born in the United States, more families are westernized and such all the traditions that we have are quickly changing. And for one thing, the good things that children of seniors are no longer uh, expected to financially support their parents as they age. So how then do they get services? What happens to those Filipino seniors? Because you're saying many of them are not eligible for benefits if they're living in this country. Um, How then do they access services? What happens to them? Yeah, what the, the thing is that uh, Filipino Americans generally lack full understanding of the elder care system and accessing assistance and support from service providers is such a foreign idea to many of the Filipino seniors. Uh, provisions of social services may be resisted by them until they actually decide or convince themselves that they need the assistance. And it's very normal for these Filipino seniors to consult with their children prior to accessing the services. So if I am a Filipino senior and I am resistant to that or I feel as though it's shameful, you know, what would change my mind? What would 
convince me that that maybe it's okay to have services or have home care or go to an adult day health center? What what would make me change my mind about that or my attitude? What really helps is that um, so many of uh, like we're we're very religious people, and we have very close relationships with the church groups, and many of them would also rely on advice from the church groups and even their pastors and uh, their, their support from the churches that would lead them to accessing uh, the other providers. It's interesting. So, Lena, are there differences among the Filipino families who live in rural areas versus the Filipino families who live in the urban areas? Well, the singers in the rural areas still prefer folk medicine, home remedies, traditional healing techniques, and even faith healers. Some of them would even go to areas, well, and then the, the, of course the urban uh, seniors would probably prefer the uh, Western me- medical intervention and even just the over-the-counter drugs. So with all of this, how does, how does this impact long-distance caregiving? So I'm sure there are situations where, you know, the adult children are living in the United States and the senior, the parent, is still living in the Philippines um, or the senior is living in California because of a job situation, you know, the adult child's living in, let's say, in New York. I mean, what happens in those situations with the Filipino families? There's still a lot of um, Filipino-Americans who help each other, and they would rely on the um, organizations that are out there helping each other. There's several senior clubs, and they get support from them. But uh, for the most part, if the, the children are making income from others, like even if they're far away, Financially, they're able to help, but uh, you know, for uh, a lot of uh, peer support is going on among themselves. So now I'm curious because on caught between generations, we talk about caregiving for children, grandchildren, uh, as well as spouses and seniors. We talk about caregiving through the life cycle. So, is we didn't plan this, but is, is there a difference, do you think, in the way that Filipino f- families care for children that they're rearing? You're talking about the seniors helping No, I'm the talking family? about, no, uh, no, I'm talking about, is there a difference in the way that, let's say, you as a parent, as a Filipino parent, um, sold care, you know, raising your children? Is, is there a difference in the approach, do you think? Well, there's a lot of uh, 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 sandwich generations where the uh, grandparent is expected or are doing a lot of assistance with uh, babysitting. We're such a close family knit, and it is. Uh, it, I often hear a lot of seniors having to relocate where their children are to be able to care for their grandchildren. That's great. So what role do you think, you know, a center such as your Sarah Care Center can play um, in the care 
uh, and respect uh, Filipino seniors or just of seniors in general? Because of a high respect for the elderly, leaving a parent in a nursing home is almost unheard of. Adult children are still willing to take in their aging parents, but since they have to make a living, Sarah Care would be the best alternative to care for their parents. In addition, because Filipino seniors are usually sociable and prefer to be in church groups and social clubs rather than being alone at home, they will enjoy a place like Sarah Care. And what type of activities do the Filipino seniors enjoy? What do they like to do? Oh, they love bingo, dominoes. (laughs) (laughs) They even play what we call mahjong. I don't know if you're familiar with that game. Oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. So many adult seniors are really addicted to mahjong. So I would say mahjong. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> actually, my, actually, my mother used to play mahjong. I still oh. have her. I still have her kit with her tiles. And, oh, you, know. you should teach your seniors mahjong. My oh. sisters always play that over the weekends. Oh, I love that. Actually, I I haven't played for years because I can't find anyone to play with. But we can play. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is great. I love those tiles. I I have great yes. memories of my childhood of those tiles clicking. You yes. know away so I just I just I love that we have two sets in every center that we have (laughs) oh do you really wow so while we're talking about cultural things I mean what about food are there special food that Filipino seniors love to cook uh, and recipes that they would share yes many of our because of the way that we're so close to China a lot of our dishes are very close to Chinese food, so everybody you know, eats Chinese food. And uh, we're also, we've been under the Spaniards for a, a very long time, so our food is also very Hispanic. Uh, so it's a combination of Hispanic and Chinese. That's the kind of food that we eat. So are there particular special dishes that, that you have in your family? The, the most popular is what we call adobo. It, because it's so easy to make, and everybody eats it. It could be a combination of chicken and pork. That's almost everybody's favorite, and everybody has their own version. <laughs> I love talking. I'm sorry. I love talking about food. It's a problem I have in my life. Well, we love Please. to eat food. <laughs> we love to eat. Well, but see, we can play mahjong, and we can eat at the same yes, time. How about it's- that? That's usually a good uh, weekend uh, for for families. That's great. I love it. That's great. Lila, this has been great. Any uh, last thoughts or anything you'd like to share with us before we close? Well, it's uh, because, uh, like, Sarah Care uh, has really been um, uh, a blessing for the, uh, especially in Kingwood and the Woodlands, where. There's nobody. There's nothing like that in the area, so we're the f- one of its kind, first of its kind, and we've been there for over ten years, and nobody is even close to what we're doing, and we're such uh, a needed service. Yes, you are. So, L- Lena, give us your contact information. Yes, it's two three nine seven two, Highway fifty nine North, Kingwood, Texas. Seven seven three three nine. And and the woodlands. 
It's 157 Nursery Road, The Woodlands, Texas, 77380. Great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this, Lena. This was was very interesting. Thank you. Thank you. And remember, you can always go to www.saracare.com on every page. Uh, at the top, there's a find a location button. Just push it and you can find a location. Uh, we're in many states throughout the United States. Coming up next will be Sarah Fullabot. Um, and we're going to be talking about what happens when you and your physician uh, or nurse practitioner or other healthcare professional disagree uh, about the care of your senior. How do you handle that? What do you do? We're going to have some great suggestions from Sarah. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. At Sarah Care, we provide daytime activities and health related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H care.com. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. I am Dr. Merrill, and we've been having a great time today talking to some really exciting women and learning a lot. And so, last but not least, our fourth fabulous, fabulous woman is Sarah Fallabot, who is the owner of Sarah Care of Lakeside in Michigan. Uh, Sarah is a registered nurse, and she is fabulous. So, welcome to Caught Between Generations, Sarah. Well, thank you, Meryl. It's a pleasure to be on with you. So, Sarah, before we get into other things, could you share with us your personal experiences in caregiving? Oh, sure. Um, as you mentioned, um, I do have a background in nursing, so I have, you know, over 30 years of experience as a, you know, caregiver as far as the nursing goes. But I'm also, I have also been a caregiver for family. Uh, my husband's parents had to move in with us, and uh, they end up living with us for about five years. Uh, my my uh, mother-in-law, who had a lot of health issues and some dementia at the end, uh, she was with us for three years. And then my father-in-law was with us an additional two years after that. 
he passed away last summer at the age of 94, and uh, he did you know, fairly well most of that time, but the last couple of years he needed more and more help. And then um, my dad is uh, 94, and he has Alzheimer's. My mom is his uh, primary caregiver. She's 86, and so, you know, at that, at that age, she's needing a lot of a support. My dad attends um, Sarah Care with me a couple days a week, and, um, you know, at one point I had three out of four of my parents coming to Sarah Care, and my mom was coming as a volunteer at that time also. So, you know, a lot of family experience with uh, providing support also. Yeah, I my mother also, uh, after her stroke, uh, mm-hmm. attended Sarah Care Um and I always credit her attendance at Sarah Care for getting her to eat again, which is mm-hmm. a story for another day. Sarah, <laughs> just going off script, um, what if you were if someone came to you and said, "My parents or my in-laws or my parent is now going to move in with me?" Mm-hmm. I mean, what would be your advice to them? I mean, having lived through this, in terms of, you know, what do you think they need to be aware of, or what what tip or advice would you give them? Well, I do think that, you know, if somebody's moving in, you do need to think about things in advance a little bit uh, more. I know when my in-laws, you know, moved in, my husband came home and one day and said, you know, that offer still stand. And so they moved in. And But I think for families, I mean, having some things on paper in advance, you know, discussing with the families how much that they're going to be paying to live there so it's not out of pocket for that person, what the expectations are for, you know, the family that they're living with and then the other family that are on the outskirts. And, um, you know, financially, I think it's, it's good to have a written agreement prior, especially with the Medicaid look back. You know, I think it is important to meet with an attorney to have something written up so everybody's on the same page. Okay, that's great advice. Thank you. You're so. Welcome. Let's get return to actually what was our original issue, which was, okay. you know, what happens when when you don't agree uh, with the options that a physician or a healthcare professional or a social worker or any other type of professional um, gives you. So, what in, what type of information do you think that a caregiver needs before actually making a decision? Well, um, you know. And the first thing that you mentioned, you have to remember when a physician is seeing you that it is a recommendation. Um, and as a recommendation, it's your choice. It's not a mandate. You know, they're only seeing you for a short period of time. They might not have the full picture. So to, to remember that it's just a recommendation and to think about, you know, how you've been doing and what kind of support you have and to have the whole picture, you know, you're, you know the whole picture and what you can handle and what you can't handle and, you know, if you're st- feeling stressed, you can, um, you know, start looking at other options and care to support you. So what do you base your decision on, though? Is it, do you think it's a combination of the functional abilities of the person you're taking care of? Is it based on your own stress level or, you know, an ability to provide care? Is it a combination what are no, the things a, you have to look at? It's a combination because, you know, as you were a caregiver, you know, deciding what on what is needed um, can be very overwhelming. And depending on what area you're from, there could be very few choices or an overwhelming amount of choices. So um, there's a lot of things to look at. A lot of times when I'm meeting with families, um, you know, I'm, I'm assessing how stressed they are because sometimes they do get to the point where they're so overwhelmed they can't make any decisions and they need a lot of hand-holding at that point until they can get, you know, some traction going. 
um, I recommend, you know, a family thinks about, you know, what for the caregiver to think about, you know, what's causing burnout for them? You know, is it um, keeping your loved one active? Is it, you know, you're getting a break or not getting a break and having needing uh, some respite? Is it doing the laundry? You know, is it making a meal every single night to think about, you know, what is the stress, the stressor for them as a caregiver? And, of course, there's cost. Cost is always, you know, um, something that has to be looked at because care can be expensive. So they do need to be aware of the budget and the savings and to determine, you know, how long, you know, the money that they have might last when they're looking at different options in care. Um, they also have to consider consider the family support. You know, how much family support do they have, if they have any at all? And uh, the caregiver health is another big issue, too, because if the primary caregiver um, is in good health or in poor health, that can determine on what their needs are also. Sarah, do you ever have families who take advantage of respite, whether it be through they're paying for it privately or, you know, veterans gives a certain amount of days of respite care to families. Do you see families doing that, that they need to take a break and do take a break? Yes, our families do it a lot. I mean, there's all, there are different types of respite available. You know, the VA, like you said, um, if somebody is in hospice, there's respite options um, it could be daytime respite, such as, you know, fair care, adult daycare options are daytime respite. But as far as, you know, going to a facility and staying for a week or two, um, our families actually do it quite often, and I do think it's it's very helpful. So you mentioned the issue of cost. So um, just on the average, what does a day of care cost at an adult day health center? Well, um, adult daycare is really, you know, the most reasonable option there is out there. I like to say it's the best kept secret in senior care. Uh, Genworth um, does a study all the time, and the statistics from Genworth show that adult daycare is like the least expensive option, yet it's a very high quality option. Um, Daycare is about the cost of four or five hours of home care. Um, Comparatively, you know, home care, a non-skilled home care in Michigan it runs between 21 and 23 hour, uh, $23 an hour. Uh, group homes or foster care, they're approximately, you know, 3500 to 4500 a month. Um, I don't have the Genworth uh, statistics in front of me for the cost, but these are approximates. Uh, assisted livings are about 5000 and up. Memory cares, which are often located inside of assisted livings, can be as much as 7000 a month. Um, there's also the option of private pay, you know, or if a family friend or whatever, and they, you know, tend to be like 12 to 14 an hour. But in that, I just warn people in those circumstances because they have to be very careful because they're not insured and bonded. If somebody gets hurt, you know, if there's theft, there's all those things to consider when you're not having somebody who is insured and bonded coming into the home. Sarah fell about caregivers. it. You know, family caregivers, of course, are the cheapest caregivers because right. they're not getting paid at all. <laughs> Sarah, it's been great having you with us. Give us your contact information. Okay. Um, our contact is, we are in Sterling Heights in Michigan. We're on the northwest corner of 19 and Shaner. And our address is 13425 19 Mile Road, Suite 500 in Sterling Heights. And the phone number is 586 586- Seven three one two two seven three. Thank you so much for being with us today, oh, thank Sarah. You, Sarah. 
Oh, and as always, I always ask you, our, my listeners, to do just one thing for yourself this week. Just one thing, even if it's take a walk outside for five minutes. You have to really take good care of yourself. You're very, very important to a lot of people. And that means that you have to take good care of yourself. So do just one thing for yourself. Continue to email me at Dr. Merrill at callbetweengenerations.com. I love getting your emails and hearing about your just one thing. Take good care of yourself this week. You're very important. Thank you for tuning in to Caught Between Generations with Dr. Mel Griff. Our program is live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We hope to see you here next week.